I think we need more certified learning in all its forms and not necessarily just formal qualifications. Hello and welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. In this year's series, I'm particularly interested in talking to people who are at the forefront of change in tertiary education as a thinker, a teacher, a manager, even a business owner. I'm gathering views from inside and outside the formal tertiary sector on topics such as impending disruption, new business and delivery models, new types of institution and new government policies, any of which could upend the traditional way of doing things. And I'm delighted today to speak to Emeritus Professor Beverly Oliver, who has had a most distinguished career in higher education and specifically in teaching and learning. She was Deputy Vice-Chancellor Education and Alfred Deakin Professor at Deakin University until December 2018 and led a number of ambitious initiatives there, including Deakin's Student Learning and Experience Strategy. Beverly is a Principal Fellow at the UK's Higher Education Academy and an Australian National Teaching Fellow. She's spoken and written widely on digital education in various forms, and there was a time when I couldn't go to a higher education conference without seeing her give a keynote or being on a panel. Welcome, Beverly. Thank you for joining Talking Tertiary. Thank you, Stephen. Now, Bev, I'm going to focus on micro-credentials, which some see as a potential disruptor to the bachelor degree and to the large, chunky courses on which the business model of many universities depends. Now, I'm not saying I do see it that way, but micro-credentials as a topic are a good way into various other topics, such as technology, lifelong learning, and the future world of work. Well, you recently wrote a paper published by Deakin University called Making Micro-Credentials Work for Learners, Employers, and Providers. And I'm going to start with the title of your first section, which begins with the words, what the world needs now. But it doesn't carry on with the words, is love sweet love? It carries on with the words, more granular certified learning. Frankly, I think the original works better as a song, but explain to me why the world needs more granular certified learning. I'll promise not to sing my answer. (laughs) I think the world needs more granular certified learning. Because as we head into the future world of work, I think we're going to increasingly need two things, and the two things I've put together in the title. I think we need more certified learning in all its forms and not necessarily just formal qualifications. And even in formal qualifications, but in non-formal qualifications or credentials, I think greater granularity will open up possibilities that we don't currently have to get a better connection between learning and earning. More specifically, that if we could see not just that learner X achieved, for example, an MBA, and I'll go to the postgraduate space, Mm -hmm. but actually these skills capabilities Mm -hmm. at this standard in an MBA, that kind of granularity, I think, would give us the potential to do really interesting skills matching between job descriptions and learner capabilities. And in many ways, it might help us solve the difficulty that we have, which is, in my view, most learners today, whether we like it or not, see a credential 
as a path to career advantage. That path is rather fraught. It's so fraught that the government's made it part of the performance-based review funding. And everyone wants to see, I think, a closer connection. Just doing the same old, same old that we've been doing and trying harder and harder to shoehorn work-integrated learning into any curriculum is difficult, but I don't see it making a a fundamental shift. So I think if we could, going back to that point, Mm -hmm. get greater granularity around the certification, we could start to get very large databases of information to interact so that, uh, for example, the holder of an MBA could be presented with many various options as to what they could do next to acquire meaningful paid work based on that credential. Thank you, Bev. That makes a lot of sense. Can I then tease it apart a little bit? Firstly, certified. Secondly, granular. And then thirdly, more on why. Why does the world really need it? So uncertified, and at one point you use the word credential. Do you mean within the Australian qualifications framework or do you mean some evidence that is trusted by the world at large? So when I say credential, I mean any kind of certified learning, Mm -hmm. some of which, uh, or a large proportion of which, is part of the formal qualification framework, the AQF, and some of which kind of is by proxy, if you like. I'll take the AICD company director's Mm -hmm. course as an example. It's a well-known standalone credential that 22 higher education providers in Australia currently use as credit for prior learning towards a typical MBA-type degree. Now, it is a trusted credential as a standalone, Mm. and it's kind of more trusted, I think, because of the credence given to it, and I use that word credence deliberately, by being associated with more formal qualifications. So I think the value in credentials has to be linked to the benefits that we derive from them, the investment that we make in them, and the value that comes out of them. I think it's a fairly complex mix, and it's an area that I'm currently really Mm -hmm. thinking hard about. Terrific, thank you. All right, so that's certified certification. Granularity, I I understand what you say and about the need and advantages of connecting it to particular skills and so on. I guess a counter view would be, yeah, but learning requires a course of study. It requires more of a chariot race, which I think is the origins of the word curriculum. If we modularize it so much that it's just little snippets, are we really educating people or are we just teaching them disjointed facts and skills? I think many higher education providers have already gone down that route and Uh they call that modularisation units, courses or whatever, the semester-long thing. And my experience working across the sector, many degrees are making a real effort to get greater coherence between those units, but it's very difficult Mm -hmm. because often the curriculum is very siloed anyway. So I would say it's already siloed. Okay. However, I don't see breaking those standing entities, such as units, for example, into smaller entities as necessarily creating bigger silos. It's about the connection between them because sometimes in a working life, so here I kind of move, if you like, to more of the lifelong learning beyond the Mm -hmm. first big qualification. During the course of a working life, We do learn on the fly, we learn at work, we need to upskill and reskill as we go. Mm -hmm. I don't see a problem with certifying that kind of learning as we go. It may add up to something bigger or it may not, but it would be very helpful to be able to corral it to make a coherent narrative Mm -hmm. around 
the learning and experience that I've acquired. Okay. So then the bit on what the world needs now. I can understand why what you say is desirable, it would improve things, but can we explore a bit why the world really needs it? What's changing in the economy, in the world of work, in the employment market, in people's lives, which makes this an imperative and not just a desirable Mm. development? Well, I think the need to return to learn to earn is Mm -hmm. going to increase phenomenally in years to come. You know, for people of our generation... A bachelor's was okay for most people. Mm -hmm. Some got a master's, very few got a doctorate. But that was kind of it. And if you look at the Australian census data, even even as recently as 2016, that is still pretty much the picture. Now, I think we need much more granularity and interoperability Mm -hmm. to enable holders of credentials to be able to shift from one field to another or pivot to use the jargon, and to be able to build on what they already know but perhaps use some transferable skills to go to another field when a particular area of work is no longer thriving and when there's new work to be done. Mm -hmm. And everything we read about the future work, well, certainly what I read anyway, Mm -hmm. suggests this is coming. Okay. So can I ask about the disruptive potential of this? And I I think I'm choosing the word potential carefully. I think about things like Uber. GPS had been around a long time before Uber. Apps had been around a long time before Uber. But something happened where they were brought together into a particular business model and promoted in a way. And suddenly, if you were a taxi driver, your plates weren't worth very much. So are there certain circumstances in which a micro-credential move could actually really eat into the bachelor's degree, could, if it took, say, 10 or 20% of students away from a university, that could put a university into terminal difficulty. Is there a real disruptive potential or is it always going to be complementary? I see it as always being complementary, Stephen. I see the bachelor, master and doctorate, particularly if we're talking higher education, as brands, if you like, for want of a better word, that will actually persist for some time to come, in fact, a very long time. I know that there are some movements around the bachelor degree, some people say you don't need one anymore, not in professionally accredited Mm -hmm. areas. You can't become an engineer by doing a few MOOCs, for example. Thank goodness. So I don't see the, the degree going away anytime soon. I think where the potential lies is for a micro certification, if I call it that, to be a pathway into those degrees or a pathway that adds to those degrees or a pathway out of those degrees, but also just as a standalone credential in its own right, right, if it has sufficient standing. But I would say the underwriting conditions for that have to be around value and trust. And if micro-credentials proliferate, if they're not seen to be quality, Mm -hmm. I don't think they will last. I don't think there will be any ongoing disruption because we will have market failure, basically. Well, that was fascinating, Bev. Can I ask about you now? You've finished as Deputy Vice-Chancellor. You're not, I assume, going to committee meetings several times a day. You may even aspire to get a life. What what does life hold for you at the moment? Well, I don't see myself retiring. (laughs) It's not a word I really can warm to. I see myself as an educator and a scholar in whatever form you take it. 
and that's what I still do. So I, I'm not actively teaching, obviously, but I still remain engaged in the sector. I am working in as, as an independent advisor or researcher. Terrific. Well, sounds like lifelong learning Oh, yes, me. I think it is. <laughs> it's been great talking with you, Bev. I'm back playing in a band now, so we might come back to you for a song title, but maybe something a bit more racy than granular certified learning, but who knows? I'll bring my accordion. <laughs> Well, that was my conversation with Emeritus Professor Beverly Oliver. We talked about micro-credentials, what they are, what they need to be in order to be useful and trusted, and how they fit with the changing world of tertiary education, employment and technology. You can listen to other episodes in seasons one and two on our website, kpmg.com slash au slash talking tertiary, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And I'll speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary.